the world leader in Internet talk radio. talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Those of you who listened to the show last week know that I went on one of my typical rants, uh, this time about Hurricane Katrina and what wasn't being done and uh, all the mistakes that were being made and and how horrible the devastation was. Today, um, although that is all still true and, in fact, more true than I knew at the time, um, I also have a story of um, survival. We, my guests today are going to tell you the real story, uh, not what you see on <laughs> on television. Some of that is real, of course. The water is real. But it's all been uh, fed to you the way that uh, the television producers want it to be, and a lot of times not telling the truth behind the scenes. Today we're going to hear from someone who was actually there and just recently was rescued. Her name is Gail Savage. She um, will tell us what is really going on in New Orleans, where she where she was, um, and uh, her sister Eileen Carey, who is in Los Angeles. Well, they're both in Los Angeles now. Now that Gail has been rescued uh, by her sister Eileen, and uh, she launched a campaign. She was desperate to find her sister, not knowing where her sister was for quite a while and um, feeling fortunate to be able to bring her sister in to share her Los Angeles life. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's start with you, uh, Gail. What you've been living in New Orleans in the French Quarter um, for more than 20 years. Where were you born? In Michigan. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a Okay, and what made you go to New Orleans? Well, I was living in California. I was living in San Francisco, and then I went to New Orleans. Okay, and uh, 20 years ago. About 20 years ago, yes. Something just drew me there. Had you visited there before? No. Just something drew me there, and when I got there, I just fell in love with the city and the people, and so I stayed. Hmm. Yes, I've been there several times, and I, I really think it's beautiful. Um, or, it, or It was beautiful, and it hopefully will be beautiful again. But last week I was talking about some of the things that I did, including the vampire tour. Did you ever go on that walking tour? Oh, yes. Did you? Yes. <laughs> yes. That was one of the um, – that, that was really fascinating. Yes. Do you, Having lived there for 20 years, do you think that there is truth in that? Oh, yes, I do. In fact, I have a ghost in my house. Okay, well, now you probably have several ghosts. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay, well, I guess maybe I don't mean to sound insensitive by laughing, but but you're safe and, and hopefully and people are, are getting to safety, so hopefully we can 
try to uh, feel grateful for that, although, of course, as bodies are being discovered, um, you know, that that part of it is very sad, although maybe it will be fewer than people anticipated. But, okay, there you were, living in New Orleans happily, obviously, for 20 years, and what what kind of... um, where, um, what kind of work were you doing there? Well, I used to attend bar, and then I was running a laundromat when the hurricane occurred. Okay. Now, let's start with that. When did you hear that um, that there was going to be a hurricane? Where were you when you first heard about Hurricane Katrina? Well, my boyfriend was in the hospital, so I was. I went to the hospital with him on that Thursday. They gave us two days to evacuate. Yes. So I'm in the hospital with him. Then they put us on lockdown. So no one could get in and no one could get out. Well, now, okay, wait, wait. Um, Let's go more slowly. You went to the hospital with him. Was he having an emergency? He went there for surgery. Now, did he, when he checked in, did he know that there was a hurricane that was coming? We, they the news media didn't let us know for sure if it was going to hit us or not. They thought it was going to turn. I see. Wow. So he, was he? did he actually have the surgery? Yes, he did have the surgery. And then when they did start to evacuate the hospital, Dr. Carroll, they wouldn't let me go with him. So I waited five hours in the hospital, and I got tired of waiting, so I went down and I saw his doctors, and then they told me they sent him to Oshner Hospital when, in fact, they had airlifted him to Slidell Memorial hmm. because I was going to walk all the way to Oshner. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> now, at this point, was, was it the hurricane was there at this point? The hurricane had already came and left. When he had the surgery... Had the the hurricane had already left, or I'm trying to get the timing okay, of it. Okay, This is Eileen. Um, yes, go ahead. Help out here a little bit. Thank you, Eileen. Yeah, it's okay. I'm a little stirred. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> we understand. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Her her friend went into the hospital on Thursday, and he had his surgery. So he was post op uh, on. Uh, he probably had a, he had a surgery on Friday, so he was post op Saturday, Sunday, Monday when the hurricane hit. Okay. And so what happened, um, I called Gail. I spoke with her Saturday night. Uh, she had called me. She was at home. She called me um, and said she was really frightened because at this point uh, they had said, you know, get out of the city, evacuate, and I told her to go to the hospital and stay there because it would be safe. Yes. And so she again, she did go to the hospital with her friend. So she was there Sunday uh, and Monday when the hurricane hit. And uh, I spoke to her the morning of the hurricane, um, and she had said to me uh, that there was uh, no electricity. Uh, they were only feeding the patients and the staff, and she was hungry, hmm. uh, sleeping on the floor, uh, but she was safe. Uh, and I was giving her news off of the radio and television. And that was in the morning uh, here in Los Angeles. So I said I would call her back in an hour, and that was the last time that I had spoken to her at all. And then she um, was, you know, stayed in the hospital for several days uh, on lockdown. Now, she, Gail had communicated to me that, you know, since she's been home, that she thought that the lockdown was for the people in the hospital not to get out. And I, 
it was because there were people outside trying to get in. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. yes, I was going to ask you about that. It was, huh, it was to protect the people in the hospital from the, from the people who were running around the streets and, and causing problems. With the, with the guns and uh, trying to break in for supplies and drugs and food and, and yeah. Like yeah. Hmm. So, so, so her being inside, her what she knew, what 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 they were telling the people to keep them calm, was quite different from the chaos going on outside. Well, what were they telling you to keep you calm, Gail? That everything was all right. That they, it, but they wouldn't let me leave either. And, and but the they reason... wouldn't feed me either. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you didn't know that that's what the problem was that, that lots of people were having. So, okay, so so then then you were still there, and your boyfriend was airlifted out. And what did you do at that point? And... I got on an airboat, and they because there was still water on the in the they got me on an airboat, and they took me to St. Charles and Napoleon where the water had stopped, and I walked home from there. And the huh. first thing I did was empty out my refrigerator. Why was that? Because, oh, because you were the, electricity was, oh. <laughs> the electricity was off and it would stink. You know, uh, the food was no good. Okay, so you couldn't eat any of it. Right. Okay. So I'm at home thinking Benny's going to come home, and he never came home, and my cell phone was dead. Then... A few days later, my landlord came by and gave me a charger for the car, uh-huh. so I could charge my phone. And that's when I called. When Eileen called me, when I was charging the phone, thank God she did. Huh. Yeah, I mean, so but when we, when they came by and told us to evacuate, Doctor Carroll, I was sitting on my porch watching the poli- the state police siphon gas out of everybody's cars, up and down the streets. So how could we leave if we had no gas, if they took the gas? They took the gas. And they left people stranded. Yes, it was like they didn't want us to leave. That's amazing. That's just, that's, and did you ask them, could you talk to them? No, because ask? Dr. Carroll, there was three state police. Two would guard the one taking the gas with guns, and if you said anything to them, they raised the gun to you. Oh, my God. So they took the gas. Then the state police broke into the grocery stores, took what they wanted, and let everyone, then let everyone go in. Now, of course, this is a very different picture than we've been seeing on television. I don't know. I, I lean unless you've seen anything like this, but... Um... Well, I haven't. I mean, obviously, it's been kept pretty quiet that the police have been, you know, took the gas so some of the people couldn't leave. Well, now, that's, that's very interesting because if you if you were listening to what Gail said, um, when she left the hospital, she airboated to Napoleon in St. Charles, which is a street intersection where the water stopped. Yes. So there's a high level in New Orleans where none of the homes were flooded, and Gail's house was on this high area. And so her house was not flooded, and when, so there were not only her house, but other houses in this couple block area. And so the cameras and the media are not focused on what's going on where there's no water. They're focused on where the water's at. And so 
from where Gail was sitting, from where her house is located, uh, she not only was able to witness this, but she was, which is true, uh, but she could also see from her vantage point that the market, which also was not underwater, which mm-hmm. is over by the river, um, there's a huge supermarket, and that's the one that she was referring to because that's dry goods. And so, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's mm-hmm. no there's no reason, uh, uh, you know, that, that we would see that in the media. Yes, because, of course, the more sensational pictures are the ones with the water. Exactly. Okay, well, boy, you know, I, I know this is really hard for you, Gail, to, uh, well, both of you, but especially Gail, to talk about it. I appreciate you sharing this with us. It's obviously really important that we do know um, facts like this. So stay tuned. Um, when we come back, we'll continue with this saga with a happy ending. And um, for those of you who have just tuned in, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about what really goes on behind the scenes of Hurricane Katrina and the aftermath with my guests, Gail Savage and her sister, Eileen Carey. So stay tuned. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race stars. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. 
Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about behind the scenes of Hurricane Katrina, the real story, with my guest, Gail Savage, recently rescued from the devastation of Hurricane Katrina, and her sister, Eileen Carey, who was launching a, an all-out rescue effort to find her. And now we can say that, that Gail is safely in Los Angeles and uh, on dry land. <laughs> now, this whole, you know, the progression, we were talking um, chronologically about everything that you went through, and it is a little, you know, the days, especially if you watch a lot of television about Hurricane Katrina and its aftermath, the days kind of uh, milled one into the other. So it is a little confusing. The hurricane was on Monday, um, August 29th. That's correct. Okay. And, boy, it's, it's already been, it doesn't seem like it's been that many days since then. You know, I mean, it's, it's been a lot of days, and it seems almost like it's still the first or second day. Now, you, we were in the first part of the show, you were talking about how um, your boyfriend, Benny, had gone into the hospital, and it was that Thursday before. Now, the, the surgery, that was it? Was it urgent surgery or elective surgery? I mean, I guess... It was just, urgent. They had to take out his gallbladder. Ah, Okay. I was just kind of wondering, you know, that, that's sort of a, um, when you hear that a hurricane is coming, although, of course, we didn't realize that it was going to be as bad as it turned out to be, so you sort of don't uh, electively decide to go into the hospital. Right. But, okay, he obviously needed to. And do we know where Benny is, by the way, now? Oh, yeah, he's in Baton Rouge. Oh, so he's safe, too. Yes, he's with his family. Okay, well, that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. All right, so... Um, we were talking about the, how when you were in the hospital, and, and yes, um, during the break, Eileen was trying to, to make this, the point that, that um, how actually nobody in the hospital, um, because you didn't have electricity, you couldn't watch television, right? right. And uh, did, did the people in the hospital, did anybody in the hospital, um, well, I guess did they have transistor radios? Did anyone know what was going on outside? If they knew, they didn't tell us anything. On the day that everyone got evacuated, I lost track of time, Dr. Carroll. I mean, I lost days. I don't know which day was which. Right. But they had a, the nurses had a radio the day they were evacuating everybody. But prior to that? There was nothing. And if they knew anything, they didn't tell us. Okay. I hope I'm answering that. Yes. And um, were there lots of other visitors, too, or? Oh, yes, there were plenty of people there, plenty of people. And I guess, um, were there, did you see any problems happening, people dying because of lack of electricity? Was there a generator at that point? Or? There was a generator. Then there was a backup generator, but the water got onto the first floor and stopped it. On the floor I was on, there were three dead bodies. And you were on the fifth floor. Yes. And there were three people that had died because of they needed the oxygen and they needed the machine or whatever. So and there were three dead bodies on the floor with us at all times. 
And what what was the um, emotional tone of the place? Were people crying, panicking? Were they calm? People, what was it like? It was like they were worried and stunned. It was like they were walking around like zombies. Mm-hmm. And you know, yes. how, were the, how were the medical staff uh, behaving? Well, they were getting everybody out. It looked like a mass unit. Well, what do you mean getting everybody out? You mean once the patients, they were trying to airlift them here and get them downstairs so they could go to wherever they, other hospitals. Uh-huh. And um, so they were putting the patients before the visitors, presumably. Yes. yes. Okay. And um, And when did you first find out that there had been... Um, people murdering other people and raping other people and, you know, that all of these um, uh, savages, basically, had been roaming the streets. When I went home. Yes. When I went home, because up about six blocks from me, I have a friend that lives up there, and she had a radio. Uh-huh. And then one another one of my friends was hit by a, dri- a hit-and-run driver. And someone laid a blanket over her and a piece of plastic over her and put a sign, Here lies Vera. God help us. And do you know that they let her lie there for five days? Hmm. Five days. Well, that's sad. How, was this a hit This was the day after the hurricane. Huh. Oh, God, that's. That was someone that that was someone that Gail knew. And yes, she was a very good friend of mine. And when I was at home, I went when I needed food and water. Mm-hmm. When I couldn't find, before I knew that they were giving water out at St. Charles and Napoleon, I went around the parking lot at the Savers Center, which is the grocery, and up and down Chapatula Street which the Savior Center is on, looking for water that people had discarded. I bathed myself with alcohol and witch hazel. Mm, that was smart, yeah. Good thing I had it in my cover. You, you have some of that hoodoo voodoo mojo. <laughs> <laughs> the New Orleans magic, baby. <laughs> um, uh, and, well, when you say you were looking for other people's discarded water, what, what do you mean? And what kind well, Because when people looted the stores, Oh, you mean they a couldn't carry everything. They took meat, and even if it was open, I took it and boiled it with some bleach. The water. The water. Well, you knew your um, you you were emer- <laughs> you knew your emergency preparedness. <laughs> <laughs> That's all very impressive. <laughs> Thank you, I mean, in in, um, in the middle of all of that, of all the dead bodies, including your friend. Um, that you would would be able to keep your head to to think to do all of this, um, you know. I, I guess is one of the reasons I, I have been sort of amazed that people that more people didn't um, leave at various times when they could. I mean, yes, I didn't know about the police stealing the gas, which does get in the way. But um, but what do you think? What do you think about this now that you've had a little distance? I mean, why do you think that people who um, could have left before the gas was siphoned, why do you think that more people didn't leave? Oh. When they, you mean before they were evacuating? Because they didn't think 
They thought they were going to be able to stay. They thought it would be all right. They didn't realize that the water was going to be tainted. They, uh-huh. they probably didn't think that the levees would break. And they well, didn't know yeah. the levee was going to break. This is true. They didn't know the levee was going to break. And some people are still there. Right. But do you think part of it has to do with people being afraid that if they leave, that um, all of their possessions and, in fact, even their ha- their house or their land, such as it is, um, will be taken from them? Well, yes, and they're afraid that it would be looted. Yes. Yeah. And when I was getting on the... I could only take one bag with me. Yeah, when, um, this is Eileen speaking. Um, when I um, was finally able to talk with Gail, um, you know, the phone service was uh, horrible, so I you know, tried as much as I could. But when I got a hold of her on, on a, another phone conversation in the evening, um, she, uh, very much aware of the looting and the problems going on, uh, she was... Uh, I asked her why wasn't she sleeping. It was midnight her time, and she was sitting on the porch. She said, no, I'm sitting out on the front porch. It's pitch black, and I'm sitting here with my shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm thinking, where did you get a shotgun? Yes. (laughs) So she had had very honestly communicated to me that it was dark. She was alone. Uh, It was pitch black, and she was afraid to go to sleep because she didn't want to get raped. She didn't want to get looted. She didn't want any harm to come to her, and the best way to prevent that was to be alert and to stay and watch. And, uh, and I, thought wow. that was, I thought that was very, very horrible um, a situation for her to be in, and I didn't like that, that she was alone. I mean, that, that was the hardest thing for me, um, is that there was no one there to help her, and, and no one there to help many other people who were not and are not as resourceful as she is right. and was, and, and demonstrated herself to be in this instance. Um, so, you know, that was uh, that was pretty horrible. And what were you doing um, concurrent with what we've been hearing Gail tell us? What were you doing to try to rescue her out of there? Well, one of the well, the the, the morning the morning of the hurricane on Monday, August 29th, um, I uh, spoke to Gail on the phone, and I was giving her news updates. I said I would call her back in an hour. Um, and then when I tried calling her back, I um, could not get in touch with her at all. And uh, I kept trying every 20 minutes, phone service down, and I thought, okay, she's at the hospital, she's safe. And so as long as I knew she was at the hospital, uh, I knew she was safe. <laughs> then uh, the next day after the hurricane, the levees broke, New Orleans is flooded, full chaos, and I'm thinking, okay, she's at the hospital, she's safe. She's hungry, but she's safe. Then I was watching the news media, uh, and they showed the evacuation out of one hospital of some babies, uh, and they were not evacuating the mothers. And so at that moment, I knew Mm. that when the hospital would be evacuated, that Gail would be cut loose. And that is when I went into full worry panic mode. And... um, because I, I could see the place flooded, and my mind went to worst-case scenario of, oh, my God, you know, she's going to get cut loose, and she, I don't want, you know, she's going to be 50-50 face up or face down, and I want her face up. So at that point, um, I modified my website. Um, I set up, I set up a, a web page with a donation and a call for help. I sent out an email to everyone on my email list saying, my sister is missing, help if you can, 
uh, send donations, you know, money donations, because, you know, the money to get her out is better than waiting for FEMA or Red Cross. And if you have information, contact me. I had uh, one gentleman, uh, Rosh Parrish, who worked with the, he did a European AIDS vaccine ride with me. He emailed me back, hey, I've got media people going down to New Orleans. Uh, give me her name. Um, and uh, so we had that going on. I also had rescue people in place at MD Anderson in Houston to check the evacuation center. Let, let me just stop you there, and we'll continue when we come back from a break. I hear the music. Yes. Um, but we will continue with this story of rescue with my guests, Gail Savage and Eileen Carey. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch as we go behind the scenes of Hurricane Katrina and the aftermath. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust-busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Vasily, and get ready to do some serious crust-busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on VoiceAmerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for crust-busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have a nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. 
Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Yes, let's get right back because we're in the middle of a story hearing about what really went on in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. It was my guest, Gail Savage, who was recently rescued, and her sister, Eileen Carey, um, who staged a tremendous rescue effort. Um, I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and let's get back to the story. So, Eileen, yes. um, you were in the process of, of telling us how your rescue efforts were working out. Well, um, to pick up, I had uh, set up an Internet uh, website, and my sister is a fabulous poet, and I put some of her poetry online because I really wanted people to care about this human being who means so much to me. And I will give out that website at the end of the show so people can read that for themselves. It is beautiful poetry. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. Um, And uh, so um, I got some responses back about people, you know, being able to help. And, again, one of them was, uh, you know, a media team that was going down to uh, Mississippi and uh, Louisiana. And so I had given them her name so that they could make inquiries. Uh, and if they had heard anything, they would come back. So that, number one, was really good because the thing that we all know is that the media amazingly was able to get in and the rescue people amazingly were not. And that's, mm-hmm. that's something that, that I don't think any human being on the planet can even reconcile. Yeah. Um, and then um, in, in Texas... Well, it's called ratings. <laughs> yes, it is. Isn't that they indeed? were motivated. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. Uh, and, uh, so, so what I did is um, over at MD Anderson in Houston, Texas, uh, they had set up medical triage. And, and remember, I didn't know for certain that, that, that Gail had been cut loose or where, the, where Benny had been evacuated to. And I, the first news I had heard that evacuees were going to the Houston Astrodome. So I had, I had set up a network over there um, of doctors who were triaging patients and incoming medical to look for Benny and Gail and I also had set up a, um, a, 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 a responsible person who would be able to house Gail if she were there to get her out of the um, to get her out of the refugee hmm. area. Uh, and also, once the Houston Astrodome was full, that same person said, "Well, if she's if they because they moved uh, the evacuees to San Antonio, it was very simple. We'll just go there, drive there, pick her up, and bring her home. She's got a place." Um, so we had that all in place for her if she was there. And then I was furiously using the Sprint PCS phone network, uh, trying to send her text messages, get to Houston, here's a number, you've got an out. Uh, but the Sprint network was down, and so she, like all the other networks, and she did not receive any text messaging, any voice messaging, nothing. Um, and so that's basically what I had done. As I said, I had that team there, um, and I was also sending out queries through the media, um, you know, to try, you know, other media teams going down to New Orleans, you know, look for this person. Um, and then I was calling her phone number uh, every 20 minutes uh, for, uh, from September, you know, since the, since the day before the hurricane, since the day of the hurricane when I couldn't get in touch with her. And um, the, the day that um, I did finally get in touch with her, um, I was at the UCLA Medical Center uh, taking care of other business, and I went to a free cell zone, and I dialed her number again, and it rang, and I got all circuits are busy, and I dialed it again, 
and she answered the phone, and I um, I cried because I was like, she says hello, and I said, you're alive, and it was like, yeah, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was the most beautiful moment for me, um, and it was, you know, are you okay, and where are you, and she says, I'm at home, and I asked Gail, you know, why are you at home and not at an evacuation center? Mm-hmm. And Gail very plainly told me um, there's raping going on there, there's killing. She says, I'm safer here than there. Mm-hmm. And and Gail, who who was the, the Neville brother's sister? Yeah, Charmaine Neville got raped at the convention center. Hmm. Yeah, the, and the Neville brothers are that the singing uh, group. She's oh. a singer also. Yeah, so, oh. you know, it was, and so she was at home and she was frightened. And then it was, now that now that we found her, now it was, how do we get you out of there? <laughs> and it was, Gail, can you drive out of there? <laughs> no, can't drive. They took the gas out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that was three shades of stupid on their part. Um, how do we, can you know, how do we get you out of there? And that became the second um, priority. And and what what I did is I um, I contacted the um, U.S. Coast Guard and I had them gave them her address said that she was on dry ground to send in a helicopter to get her. Unbeknownst to me, um, I did not know um, all this time that her house was undamaged and on dry ground. Um, I've only been to New Orleans once, and the humidity alone made me never want to go back. <laughs> so I didn't know her house was on high ground. Um, and I also didn't know that there were um, National Guard um, stationed around the dry areas. And so um, that's why I had made a helicopter uh, request. And what, when I told Gail that, the, that they were coming in to get her, I called her at night, and um, she had said to me, well, there's National Guard down the street from me. And I said, Gail, you need in the morning. You need to go down there and tell them to get you out of there. And mm-hmm. at this point, it was when they were saying, "Get out!" And, and you know, the, the you know, New Orleans is devastated. And Gail um, was very clear that the smell. She said, if people wanted to stay, if they were allowed to stay, that that's not what a human being should do because the stench um, of you know, the, 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 the toxic cesspool of bacteria and dead bodies and maggots and mosquitoes, you know, the whole mess uh, was just putrid. And she wasn't even in the water. She was away from, you know, she was sandwiched between the devastation and the river, and the river even stank. And just that smell alone, um, she had said, was it, it's a smell that you never forget. Mm-hmm. That's and so how so how did you so then what happened? How did you get out? I went up to Napoleon in St. Charles, and I waited because that's where they were getting people out. And I waited for a ride, and then the rescue came and took me to the helicopter. And who took you to the helicopter? Doctor Phil. <laughs> you mean the Doctor Phil? The Doctor Phil. So he drove you from St. Charles and... Napoleon to the convention center. Okay. And and you were telling us off, and what off the he... air, what was your impression of Dr. Phil? I didn't like him. I thought he was very rude. And why was that? Well, there was a little old lady that lived next door to me, 
and Miss Barbara, and they took her a few days before I left, and she had all these animals. She had like 28 cats, two dogs, and a bird. So the SPCA came in and got them, and I was explaining this to him, and he said, well, you, everyone's worrying about saving these animals, and we're out here digging bodies out of the water. Hmm. <laughs> so that was a little less than sensitive. Okay. Yes, it was. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so then I got on the helicopter, and I went to, they took us to the New Orleans airport. Then they put us on a bus to Baton Rouge, but to go to LSU, FEMA. Yeah. Which FEMA was sending people to places that the shelters were all filled up. Uh-huh. So they're sending people, and I, then they were going to take, they took us to a city called Lockport, which is not too far from Baton Rouge, and was going to drop us off in the middle of nowhere in front of this Waffle House. The next stop was Lafayette. That's where I got off because Benny's in Baton Rouge. So I got off there. I waited five hours for a bus. I paid $13 for the ticket. And I went back to Baton Rouge. Uh huh. And told it, and I waited all night in the bus for them to come and for Benny and his family to come and get me. And they did. Yes. And then. Then I called Eileen, and she saved me. And I and I love her for it. <laughs> I love you too, sweetie. How how long had it been be- since the two of you had seen each other? Um, Gail had Gail had visited me. Um, a few years back here in Los Angeles on holiday. And, uh, you know, we have another sister um, that passed away in August four years ago, just before September 11th. And she was 42 years old, and she dropped out of a heart attack suddenly mm. and immediately. And uh, that was rather shocking. Mm. Uh, and uh, the emotional devastation of that was, um, it just, it, it, it shook our entire family uh-huh. And our whole network, and to have Gail um, in such peril, um, uh-huh. I I could not, at this point in my life, could not tolerate or stand uh, God losing another had, sister. Yes, it, it would have been too much. And uh, Gail and I, um, you know, speak on the phone frequently. Uh, you know, we talk on the phone a lot, so we we have a close relationship and a good relationship. And um, she's. You know, she's my older sister, and when I was a child, she helped me in my life, and, and I feel very strongly that it's my responsibility, my duty, and my honor um, to help her at this time hmm. uh, because she's, you know, she's a remarkable human being and to me, and she's, she's so sensitive um, that uh, she's, her life is worth living. Yes, I, I know. Gail, I, I can... Uh... I mean, I know it hasn't been that many days, but but obviously we hear your tears and your pain, and um, and it is it is difficult. It's hard to believe you're safe now. Yes. <laughs> well, when we come back, we'll continue talking with you both and learning more about what went on and what what hopes you have for the future as well. My guests are Gail Savage, recently rescued from the devastation of. New Orleans and Hurricane Katrina, and her sister Eileen Carey, both safe and sound on uh, dry ground at this point. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're, we're all um, grateful to be hearing um, such a, a heartfelt story of pain and uh, courage and rescue with my guest, Gail Savage, who uh, is on dry land in Los Angeles now, recently, however, from the French Quarter in New Orleans, and her sister, Eileen Carey, who um, was telling us about how she was uh, helpful in rescuing her. It, you know, both of you, I must say that that it's so impressive to hear how, when, amidst all this chaos, that you both um, kept your heads and were doing really very brilliant things to um, to help in the result that we have of, of your rescue um, from... From your uh, uh, Gail taking, you know, doing um, taking emergency preparedness me- <laughs> measures, um, and and Eileen, you were ca- contacting everybody and their uncle, <laughs> and and uh, are, you know, really spreading the net wide to make sure that she would be found and rescued. And we were right before um, 
right when we stopped talking about this, you were we were at the Baton Rouge airport, or about to be, where you had arranged for a ticket. Yeah, yeah. What what I once once I knew that Gail was out of um, Louise was out of New Orleans, um, and uh, Baton Rouge was her destination. Uh, and you have to keep in mind that the cell phone networks are down, communication is down, so you it's hit or miss when you try to call. And so I may connect with her in the morning, but, you know, 14 hours may right. go by before I can get another cell connection. Um, so the messages are cryptic, get to Baton Rouge, get to the airport. Uh, and then what I had done is I had, uh, now knowing that she was being evacuated and on her way to Baton Rouge, um, I had set up a ticket for her through American Airlines um, so that when she got to American Airlines, she would have a ticket there, and she would be flown uh, to Los Angeles uh, so that she would be safe and out of harm's way and away from the visual and psychological damage that, that, is, that is, has become New Orleans. And, and, and Gail, you arrived um, Saturday night, yes. Saturday night. And um, <laughs> I'm sure you're, you're going through a whole um, swirling uh, mass of emotions. Oh, my um, I don't, have you been, um, I don't know how familiar you are with the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, but are you having nightmares, for example? No, I haven't had any nightmares yet, but I have moments where I can remember and just seeing the images in my head. Yes. And the feeling that I felt alone because it was like being, like no one else on earth existed. Huh. You know, because I was home alone. I didn't have a radio. So, I just have moments. I haven't had any nightmares yet, though. Yes. And, and, but see, seeing the images, do, do you sometimes feel as if, um, you're in that situation again? Yeah, because it's so clear. You can see the color of the water, mm-hmm. and I can see my friend, and I saw a few other bodies. It's yeah, yeah. Well, that's part. No of one it. should ever have to see that. Yes. Well, you know, you will be able to uh, survive the emotional devastation, which comes a little after surviving the physical devastation. But these are all natural, normal reactions that you're having. It's sad that these smells and sights have become a part of the video recording that we all have in our brains of our lives. But little by little, uh, and you may need therapy to accomplish this, but little by little, the pain associated with these visions and and um, the sights and sounds and smells, um, the pain will gradually decrease. Um, and if it doesn't after a month or so, that that's when you need to have therapy. But let's talk about something. Let's let's talk about the future now, the hopeful part of the future. Um, <laughs> you're having a, a visit with your sister <laughs> that yes. you weren't anticipating a few weeks ago. Right. Um, well, actually, actually, Carol, um, Gail had been calling me on the phone, and you know, when are you coming to New Orleans? When are you coming to visit me? And I said, look, you know, I just got back from Italy. I've just got spent a weekend in Paris, and I'm, you know, kind of need to get back to business. And then here she is on my doorstep. I said, she doesn't have to whip up a hurricane to come and visit. <laughs> yeah. 
so. Well, now, what, in what way, besides the horrible ways that you were just giving us a glimpse of, in what way, uh, ways do you think your life is going to change now? Has, have you already been, have your values changed or your attitudes changed about things? Well, I realized that material things, which I already realized, mean nothing. I realized that you need certain things in life to survive on, and I learned that you can survive if you want. And what I would probably do is I will help whoever I can in the future. From from this disaster or in general? Well, in general, but this disaster mm-hmm. made me see things more clearly. I mean, are you thinking of joining some projects to help some of the other disaster victims? I could do that, mm-hmm. yes. And what about, um, what, do you have any idea of what is going to be going on in New Orleans and whether you, are you going to be planning to return there at some point or... Are these two questions too early to even think about? Well, Dr. Carroll, I have all my belongings are there, which I'm sure that are in no condition because of the odor. Mm-hmm. Like my my living room and my dining room and my everything like that is all going to have to be replaced. Mm-hmm. But I don't. It's going to be. It's going to take a long time for them to rebuild New Orleans. Yeah. The, 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 so I would probably find a, I'm going to find a job out here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Carroll, the, the answer to that is nobody knows right now. It's so uncertain. And um, as Gail um, had said, you know, realizing that material possessions are nothing, but sometimes that's all some people have. And uh, Gail is fortunate enough to have a family um, who cares about her and who has a foundation for her should she decide to, to rebuild her life here that she can and her willingness and her wanting to uh, step up and help those who truthfully are less fortunate, you know, either, you know, emotionally or through whatever, because she's been there, she understands. There are 700 evacuees here in Los Angeles already, and, and there may be more coming. Um, so, you know, it, it, to, to know what the future is, they have to digest what's just yes. happened. Yes. And, and there's no... we. The country hasn't even digested what's happened, and we don't even live there. So I think I think for Gail that that, that you know each day it's a matter of getting getting a full handle on what it is, looking at it and going wow, and then being able to redirect and refocus the attention to the future. Because right now we're all still looking and going, what was that? Yes, yeah. And and we are we are all blaming, fortunately, our government because they screwed up. They did. They screwed yeah. up big, and and Gail was there, and she she saw how services were being denied, and that uh, you know they were not helping people uh, the way that they said they were. And and Gail, the reason Gail paid for her own bus ride when she was being evacuated is they were just sending people to wherever. People did not know where they were being evacuated to, and mm-hmm. had no control and no choice. Yes, I know. You know, we see on television some some there some of the signs in some of the shelters where they're saying it costs three dollars to go here, and a, you know, I mean, you you just have to wonder. Many of these people don't have a penny, no less, to be able to to spend, buy their own food or buy their own bus ticket, and and it's 
uh, taking a very long time to get any of that to yes. people. Now, I want to give out um, your website so that people can read uh, Gail's poetry, and there's also all kinds of art and photography and other things from you, Eileen, as well. So uh, I do recommend that you take a while to look at all the beautiful sites that there are. Uh, nice change from the news um, on Eileen's website, and that is EileenCarry.com, which is E I L E E N. C-A-R-R-Y, EileenCarry.com, and you'll see the poetry by Gail Savage and Eileen's uh, photography and note cards and switch plates and writings and just a whole plethora <laughs> of, um, of, yes, of creativity, exactly. And I think that um, you both proved something that, you know, we all say we know but it's become sort of trite, but, you know, when it comes down to a disaster and finding out what's really important um, we learn it all over again, or for real this time, and that is that the most important thing is not the material possessions, but love. Because without love, um, you wouldn't have been able to get out. Because love is what um, love is what did it. Love is what did it. Love, love of yourself, love of your boyfriend, staying with him in the hospital, uh, knowing that there was that he was around to to be able to rescue you to Baton Rouge. And, of course, from your sister Eileen, knowing that she was calling everybody but the president, although you probably contacted him, too. <laughs> A lot good that would have done to you, yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish you both well. I think that this is going to have a positive outcome in the end, where the two of you get bonded yet again and closer than ever. And... Uh, Welcome to Los Angeles, Gail. Thank you, And welcome to a whole new, uh, even more beautiful life. Thank you. Thank you again, Gail Savage. Glad, glad you made it out. And Eileen, glad you were her uh, knight on the white horse. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Carol. And this is Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And um, I think that... uh, that we all can learn a lot from. There was a lot that went wrong, but a lot that went right, and this is a prime example. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 